0: You're listening to Key Matters from Kappa Kappa Gamma, with generous support from the Kappa Kappa Gamma Foundation. I'm Kylie Smith, the Archivist and Museum Director, and my co-host is Dr. Mary Osborne, the Director of the Stewart House Museum. Thank you for joining us as we travel through the Key Magazine from 1882 to today. All right, Dr. Oz, so we are back with 1904. What do you got for us? Well, first, a little bit of context
1: in the world. Uh, in On January 7th, the Marconi company established the CQD as the first international radio distress signal. And I believe that that was the distress signal that the Titanic used, but I could be
0: wrong. Oh, so this is different than like SOS.
1: Yes. CQD. Huh. CQD. Don't ask me what those stand for.
0: I'll Google it later. Okay. <laughs>
1: On February 23rd, the United States acquired control of the Panama Canal Zone for $10 million. On April 30th, the ice cream cone made its debut at the St. Louis World's Fair. On October 3rd, African-American educator Mary McLeod Bethune opened the Daytona Normal and Industrial School. If you were born on any of the following dates, you share your birthday with these famous or infamous people Charles Pretty Boy Floyd, the American gangster and FBI most wanted criminal, was born in Adairsville, Georgia, on February 3rd. James Baskett, American actor who appeared in Song of the South and the first African-American male to receive an Oscar, was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, on February 16th. Mujer. Yes, Yes. Or James Baskett. See, now that Song of the South is practically banned, people just don't know about him too bad. Mm -hmm. Margaret Bork-White, American photographer, first female life staff photographer, was born in New York City on June 14th. And Ralph Bunch, American diplomat to the United Nations and a Nobel Peace Prize winner in 1950, was born in Detroit, Michigan on August 7th. And in 1904, the world said goodbye to the following historical figures. Anton Dvorak, the Czech composer, best known for the New World Symphony. Theodore Herzl, the Austrian journalist and founder of the Zionist movement. And on August 22nd, Kate Chopin, the American writer, passed away at the age of 54. Moving forward, uh, there is a central uh, theme among uh, the issues in, in the key. And that's one of improving the community. So we are in the progressive era. So Kappas continue to recruit their sisters for settlement work. And the January issue features a piece on one of the leaders in this area, Mary Kingsbury Simcovich from Boston University. We've talked about Mary before, and her biographical sketch is in the fall 2020 issue of The Keys. Briefly, though, uh, for our listeners who are unfamiliar with Mary's work, uh, she became involved in settlement housework as a college student. And she determined to establish a non-sectarian settlement of her own. In 1902 she opened Greenwich House, a settlement in Greenwich Village. She remained its director until her death. It functioned as a center of neighborhood life and fostered a sense of community among the residents. It offered a kindergarten, infant wellness clinics, a library, language and cooking classes, and hosted a number of local clubs. The idea was to empower residents of a neighborhood, particularly immigrants, to improve their lives. Improvement was the watchword of the progressive era, and and it extended to all areas of life. In 1904, there was a growing interest in sanitation. Kappa Laura Long writes about her work in St. Louis. She says, We have tackled the garbage question, and it aroused such a strong sentiment on the subject that a special meeting of the mayor and health board is to be called to investigate the subject. Discussions about these reforms were taking place everywhere, including tea rooms. The Chicago Alumni Association, for example, met frequently at Marshall Fields Tea Room the fourth Saturday of every month. The women had their own space. In the April issue, um, the Alumni Association notes, we have a long table bounded on all sides by high screens so that we are entirely shut off from the barbarian world. That is on page 99 of the April issue. And I have no doubt that Bucktell College's Literary Society meetings became much more interesting when they went co-ed in 1904. Clara Brous reports, until this year, the Society has been for the boys exclusively. But this winter, they concluded to debate with girls. And now each Wednesday night, the arguments are hot and fast. That was on page 112 in the April issue. And looking uh, into Kappa land and the trends there, um, there is an announcement in the January issue for Minnie Royce Walker's Kappa Kappa Gamma record or handbook. This is the earliest volume of Caput's history, and I like to think that Key Matters is another iteration of documenting that history. And I wonder what many would have made of it. Anti-fraternity sentiment continues to be a problem, but Jean Nelson Penfield offers some suggestions for combating it in the April issue. She argues that fraternities make a valuable partner with colleges in producing good citizens quote, if the work of the fraternity does not stand side by side with the work of our great professors in the preparation for useful, effective citizenship, the fault lies in the conditions under which the local body has grown and not in the fraternity idea. That is on page 73. What kinds of women make good Kappas is on the minds of collegiates as Kappa expands into the South. No doubt this was the topic of conversation at convention held this year in Columbia, Missouri the key tries to lay to rest some concerns about the caliber of Southern women students. Quote, one who has even a superficial knowledge of the South knows that some of the finest Southern girls are beginning to be found in co-educational schools as the old notions of education disappear. On the other hand, one who knows Southern people well knows that this change is a slow one. Southern conservatism and the old Southern pride of family make it so. That is from the July issue on page 159. In the past, well-to-do Southern girls were tutored at home or attended finishing schools, but the new or industrializing South was changing this notion. Quote, however, with the new South, this difficulty has been overcome so that now the typical Southern girl is a college graduate in nine cases out of 10. But the entrance of Kappa into the land of the palm and the pine means even more. And that is from the October issue, page 241. A member of Beta Omicron viewed Kappa's expansion as a path towards the reconciliation of the North and South. Remember, at this point, the Civil War had ended less than 40 years ago. And that member of Beta Omicron says... For the expansion brings in closer contact than anything else could perhaps the two formerly hostile sections of the country through the finest and most sensitive medium, their educated women, on page 241 in the October issue. Once again, women are being called upon to use their purported innate abilities in the domestic sphere, in this case to play the peacemakers. Then in chapter news, as travel becomes more efficient and less expensive, chapters are urged to become less insular. Mabel Stephen from Nebraska admonishes, let me urge every Kappa not to fail to visit other chapters as often as possible, for not till then will she really appreciate the breadth and influence of Kappa. Her admonition is found in the January issue on page 35. The chapters are also taking pride in their houses, as you noted, Kylie, in the, the school tours and the key, the key is replete um, with descriptions and photographs of their accommodations. And I noticed that the fireplace and the libraries uh, tend to be highlights. So I, I hardly approve of that. <laughs> um, to foster a stronger sisterhood, the July issue includes a proposal for an annual social union of province chapters, foreshadowing our, our regional meetings or district meetings. I also had to wonder if this new generation of Kappas has a different conception of education than their predecessors. Their understanding might explain why chapters' social activities become more prominent in the 20th century. This is a slightly more nuanced thesis than obtaining than obtaining a higher education was no longer an obstacle for many women. So Amy Saunders from Bucktell states, it has become an almost trite expression in recent years that book learning is a small part of education. And modern educators realize the importance of of that learning to be gained through close association and social intercourse with fellow students. So maybe that um, all those spreads and fudge parties were just an extension of their education. Then in alumni news, Um, Speaking of social interaction, um, the alumni are encouraged in the January issue to establish relationships with freshmen, not to remain apart uh, from them. And then in addition to the Southern question, delegates will consider whether alumni should have voting rights at convention at its next meeting. And that is in the April issue. As you can imagine, opinions run the gamut on this question. Grand President May Whiting-Westerman appeared to be in favor of the measure as she said, although we are but beginning to realize it, Kappa Kappa Gamma ceased to be an undergraduate organization when her first member went out from college. Her ideals are not for college days only, but for the years of a lifetime from the April issue on page 172. And then in a little section I like to call odds and ends, Uh, I thought I would, I would, I would conclude with some fun miscellaneous facts. They just don't seem to fit in anywhere else. Newly elected grand president, Elmy Warner Mallory had a daughter, Cynthia, who became a member of Beta Delta chapter at Michigan at the age of 13, the youngest student on the Michigan campus. And according to Kappapedia, she is believed to be the youngest Kappa ever pledged. Some of the capets featured in our sesquicentennial issue were quite busy in 1904. Mignon Talbot from Beta New at Ohio State received her PhD from Yale in June. And she uh, went on to fill the chair of geology at Mount Holyoke College uh, in 1905. Dorothy Canfield, also from Beta New at Ohio State, received her PhD from Columbia University on June 8th. Her work was done in comparative phil- philology. And then side Chapter's very own Mary Merritt Crawford really cleaned up in the um, uh, awards that year. According to their annual report, she was class day essayist, manager of the boating club, and her sister, her younger sister, Charlotte Crawford, was president of the women's sophomore class. Uh, Charlotte also had an interest in the theater. And Dr. Crawford always refers to Charlotte as "chottie" in her diary. And I think that might be because there is a Hindi word that has a, a similar English pronunciation and it means small, small one. So.
0: Or do you like shoddy like Charlotte? Or are you saying C-H like chocolate?
1: It's um, it's she spells it C-H-O-T-T-I-E.
0: Yeah. So I wonder if it's shoddy, like
1: Charlotte. It could be. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Um, And maybe we can trace the origin of our scrapbook collection to this suggestion by Lila S. Murray from Barnard, who says the Kodak fad has taken possession of the land. Why not turn this to good account by having each chapter keep a Kodak album? Such a book would contain chapter room pictures, views on the college campus, and bits of Kappa camp life. And finally, because it wouldn't be a true Dr. Oz episode without a reference to Indiana. Uh, You've already had like two dozen. No, uh, not 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 in this episode. I haven't mentioned Indiana at all. While you
0: highlighted my favorite Hoosier, Jean Nelson Penfield. I didn't,
1: yeah, that's, I did talk about Jean Nelson Penfield, but I didn't mention where she was from.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's your own fault.
1: Lucy Lewis from Delta Chapter, Indiana University, married Theodore Vonnegut. He would have been a cousin to Kurt Vonnegut, the author who was late born in 1922. Theodore Vonnegut um, graduated from Indiana Law School in 1903 and then um, practiced his profession in Indianapolis and later engaged in the book business, specializing in old and rare books. So he built up a business as a book dealer and Became a known authority on the subject and later in 1926 published a work entitled Indianapolis Booksellers and Their Literary Background 1822 to 1860 A Glimpse of the Old Book Trade in Indianapolis. And you'll note this is before the golden age of Indiana literature, which began in the 1880s. So I just well, thought, well.
0: and not to totally knock on our, our early editors, but I'm interested in the duplication that has happened. Like there was a note like Mae Westerman's wedding was announced at one point by two different chapters, Sigma and Beta Beta. I don't know why. So I was like, is that an error? And the same text was below it. So I was like, well, maybe it's a printer error. I also had the report of Vonnegut getting married because I looked it up and I, I actually didn't look closely at Kurt Vonnegut. I thought maybe it was his father. So I just simply looked at his father and saw that it was different. I hadn't thought about how else they would be related, So it's interesting that that notice appeared in my issues as well as yours. Um, So, but you did find that they would have been cousins. So, they would have been cousins. Yeah, the Vonnegut family was a um, really
1: well respected family, very famous because of their work in architecture. So, they designed a number of buildings. Um, In Indiana, and Indianapolis. So that's, that's how I know them. well, also because of Kurt Vonnegut. So, but I had to figure it out.
0: (laughs) Well, and I was paying close attention to you, but I also had time. That's why I muted myself so that you wouldn't hear me typing. Uh, I looked up CQD and it stands for come quick, danger or distress. And so come quick was what it was initially. And then they added the D for distress. And so that was also the distress signal that Titanic sent out. So it was before SOS. Um, save our ship. so Save our stuff. Save our smile. <laughs> our
1: <stuff>. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know. Now you know what C, uh, CQD stands for. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all the Kappa news from 1904. Until next time.
0: Thank you, Dr. S. That was awesome. You've been listening to Key Matters, brought to you by Kappa Kappa Gamma, with generous support from the Kappa Kappa Gamma Foundation. Our headquarters is in Columbus, Ohio. Our house museum, The Stewart House, is in Monmouth, Illinois. You can find us online at kappa.org, or you can peruse our digital archives at kappa.historyit.com. Research and production is done by the director of The Stewart House Museum and member of Alpha Deuteron Chapter at Monmouth College, Dr. Mary Osborne and me, Kylie Smith, from Omicron Deuteron Chapter at Simpson College, and the Archivist and Museum Director for Kappa Kappa Gamma. Thank you.